Hello and welcome to the Slow Home Podcast. This is the podcast all about slow living in a fast-paced world. My name is Brooke McCallery. My name is Ben McCallery. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 0. We are popping into your podcast feeds a few weeks out of the official start of the season, just to give you a bit of an update on what the season holds and also what we're up to. To kick things off, I know you mentioned it at the end of season three, but how is this season different to all the almost 300 episodes so far? This season features listeners in every episode. So if you're on my email list, if you receive the slow post every Friday, back in June or July, I sent out an email asking people for a sort of a brief synopsis of what their major struggle with slow living is right now and kind of left it as open as possible to see whether people, A, were struggling with similar things and B, to see if anyone would be willing to take part in season four of the podcast. And I got so many responses Mm -hmm. with such varied questions and varied frustrations and obstacles that people were coming up against as they tried to slow down. And honestly, I got enough responses to feel like eight seasons but we're going to. We're only going to do. We're, we're going we'll to start with one. Let's just do one. <laughs> so that's really what the season is centered on. It's speaking one on one, myself and and a listener about this thing that they are struggling with, you know. And we we kind of go deep into this question, in the hope that it will be relevant to a lot of people. And having you know spoken to all these people, they, these questions will be relevant to so many people. Mm. Uh, and, you know, we, we kind of dig into it and I, I send them away with some homework. Nice. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's my hope that next year we'll be able to, to follow up with them and, and see what, if anything, has, has shifted. But the second part, so that's the first, oh, the first kind oh, of half yes. of each episode is yeah. these listener conversations. Yep. The second part of the conversation is me chatting with uh, a friend of the show. Friend usually. of the show. Yes. So- Previous guest. Yes. And we discuss this same problem, you know, this same issue at length and see what we kind of light upon. How did you identify the experts or friends of the show, if you like? Usually there's just some kind of common thread, you know, between the listener conversation and the person that I've asked to come in and and chat about it, whether it's a common interest or something that this, this person has sort of gone through themselves over the years or written about or we've spoken about on the podcast. And I, I, it's always just a, an intuitive thing that I believe this friend of the show will have something insightful to, to offer. And they, they have. They, they, they do. And it's, we have some really, really good conversations this season. Excellent. And they're a little bit, probably a little bit longer in terms of running time. Yeah. Slightly. Yeah. Than you're more than, than an average poggy. Well, I mean, you know what? We just shook, we took the, the podcast. Yeah the format that has worked so well for us for the last four and a half years, and we shook it up and kind of stuck it on yeah, its head. But why, I want to know why you've done it, like really why did you want to change a winning formula? Well, I mean, we're all about experimentation we on the podcast, just sort of approaching things with curiosity. Mm. And this is a format that I have heard used on other podcasts, Liz Gilbert's Big uh, Magic Lessons. Big it, Little Lies. no, no. no. <laughs> Wrong genre of books. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah, she brought out a, a two seasons of a podcast called Magic Lessons, which, which follows this similar format, and mm. I loved it. I, mm. I loved the way that she really got into these questions with people who were struggling with their creativity, mm. and then spoke to a friend about it in depth. Uh, and you know, I think it, it brings a completely different perspective to some of these ideas that can kind of seem like big picture out there sort of ideas that aren't personal. And I think that doing this, you know, Liz Gilbert's podcast and hopefully our season as well makes them personal Yeah, and it makes them relatable and it makes, um, you know, them them applicable, I guess, to, to more lives. And the other reason I think is because like, why not? Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. we don't get any ad revenue from the yeah. show and if all our listeners disappeared overnight, I'd be very sad, but it's not like, you know, it's something that we rely on in terms of income. So why not play we're, around with it? We're doing something that, yeah, you've been passionate and you've thought about this for quite some time, which I like. Now, just a quick shout out to our new producer of the program, Alison, who's done a bang-up job on producing this show. It's a lot more work. Yes. <laughs> So we're very grateful for Alison. Yeah, a lot more work uh, per episode. And um, so we're really grateful to have Alison on board and, and thanks to Alison for, for producing this series. Um, normal series, eight episodes? Yeah, there might be a sneaky mm. little bonus episode okay. in, a, in a few weeks' time. I had the opportunity land in my lap for one interview that I didn't really want to pass up no. on. So And didn't really fit into the double double interview. No, it didn't. It's uh, just anyway, yeah. I think it's gonna be something that you'll really enjoy and that'll be in your ear holes uh, late October, early November. Sounds painful. <laughs> so what have you been up to? Oh, okay. You know what? If I'm being completely honest, this has been a very, very busy time. It has. I know the podcast has been off air, but we have been working really hard on the podcast. I've also just wrapped up the first round of the Slow Beginnings Retreat, which was wonderful. Yeah, how, so tell me, how was that? You've run retreats before, mm-hmm. but this was a totally new retreat. Yeah. How did that go? It was it was great. It was such a, an amazing group of people came yeah. together. Mm-hmm. And I was every week of the six weeks that we, that we worked together, I was really... Um, surprised is the wrong word. I guess I was moved by how willingly people showed up to the work that we did, mm-hmm. you know, and, and some of it's quite confronting um, mm. in a gentle way, but it, mm. it's, you know, slow living through the lens of asking the big questions of ourselves. Yeah. And for, because for me, that's, that's where it all starts. It starts by developing a, um, an ability to be comfortable with discomfort you know, with the digging and with the the questioning of our values and the way we're showing up in our lives. So, you know, for people to show up for six weeks in amongst everything else that's happening in their lives and and ask themselves those big questions was really uh, inspiring. What I, I mean, I I saw emotionally how impactful it is and from the feedback that you've given and we've discussed um, just just some of the um, stories. I mean, the shedding of the skins, realigning priorities. Mm. And, you know, just realising what's important, 
I think is is huge. And that and that vehicle over the, the six weeks, I think, has really worked, you know, that length yeah. of time. I mean, the feedback's been fantastic. Yeah. Um, so I am excited to run that again next year. Mm. Uh, I'm not 100% sure of when yet, mm-hmm. but that is definitely on the cards. And I've been plotting away at a new book idea, yes. which I don't have any concrete news to share at this point, but, you it know, is, it's it's happening yep. in, a, in a gradual sense. And uh, been speaking, doing some more events and, and um, spoke at a great festival at Lake Macquarie a few weeks ago. It's just been a lot and it has coincided with a period of, of time with your work that has it's also been... been crazy town with my work as well. So, yeah, it's been... I think the our tilting has definitely had to be at the forefront over the last yeah. month or so. Which is a tool that I'm happy to have. But it's like it's not easy. Anyone who has tried to adopt the idea of tilting, particularly in a really full period, understands like it's not comfortable. Someone asked me on a retreat call a few weeks ago if I ever feel like I'm phoning it in. Mm-hmm. And my immediate answer was yes. Yeah. When you're tilting heavily into a period of busyness, let's say if it's work, um, that means that sometimes you're going to not be as present as you want with the kids or with you or, you know, with with anything. Um, and it's like it's not a com- that's not a comfortable feeling. No. But I think it's important that when we're talking about slow living, when we're talking about kind of living well, yeah, you got to be honest because otherwise it just becomes this this pretty picture that you see on Instagram that somehow feels like we're getting wrong all the time. When the reality is if you're, you're doing this stuff, if you're asking these questions, if you're turning up all the way into work or a project or whatever, other stuff has to be put down for, for a while. Um, yeah, so that, that question rolled around in my head for a few days. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Isn't it funny? I always feel... Like October is the busiest month. Yeah, I think it is for you, for your work. I just, no, but I reckon for a lot of people because it's what I think people come to the realisation in October is, oh, you know, the year is year end is fast approaching. I need to get all these things done by the end of the year because that's when I said I'd get them done by not only in like business world and but personal as yeah. well yeah a lot of people have those you know you know i'm going to do this by the end of the year and that's yeah. when people realize in the 10th month for whatever reason oh i've got to get my act together i've mm. only got three months left and and we we may be guilty of that ourselves you know just trying to get stuff done by the end of the year um, before the official crazy season starts well i think that it's um there, there is that but then there's also the idea of going fast to go slow too, which I fully subscribe that, to. That's exactly what I was trying to, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. I think you would, like, you also hit on something else that people had plans for this year, you know, and they would like to feel as though those plans were fulfilled by the end of the year. So there's that. But then there's also something that I don't feel in the slightest bit bad about, which is going fast in order to go slow. So putting stuff in place now so that you can take time off over Christmas, so that you can you know, spend a week without having to open your inbox or whatever a break or downtime looks like for you towards the end of the year. Uh, so I think that, that nothing wrong with going fast in order to go slow. It's mm. when it feels like you've lost sight of the slow and it's only fast that, that it becomes problematic, I think. You know, when it, when it feels like that, that has become your new normal. Mm. 
that's where you need to kind of pull yourself up and say, hang on, like what has snuck in here and what have I not created space by removing? Let's talk about moving the goalposts. Okay. (laughs) Because you were just hitting on something there that I am really guilty of and that's sneaking things into stuff. You know that you're already doing. So sneaking into stuff. I'm like, you know, I, I get a visual of you sneaking a nail file into a cake in prison. I don't know why. That was the visual I got. Sneaking my hand into the lolly jar. Why can't it be innocent? I don't know. I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> I uh, yeah. I think that that's something that we're both guilty of. But me especially is that oh. Uh, you know, we've done this massive, you know, we've been very busy over the last couple of months. Why don't we just add one more thing <laughs> to it? Why don't we just do this one extra thing around the house or whatever? Like, that's, Do you do that? Why, I've why, never noticed. Why do we do that? Like why, what is it human nature to want to make ourselves collapse? <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Like, oh. How far do we want to push ourselves? I'm putting you to bed after no, this. No. <laughs> I think that we have trouble with contentment Mm. in general, Mm. human beings. You know, I'm not just talking about us. I think that that people have difficulty saying enough, you know, and I think that in in part that might be due to like self-esteem and not ever feeling good enough. Worthy, oh, you know, yeah. so I'll be worthy when mm. this happens. And then that yeah. happens and you're like, eh, I don't quite feel worthy yet. Maybe this next goal that's looming on the horizon will be it. Okay. And it's like it's a combination of not believing in our inherent worth as we are right now as yeah. a human being. You know, yeah. right now, no matter what you've done or haven't done, no matter, you know, what goals you have not have or haven't fulfilled or whatever metric you're using, like right now you are enough. And we don't, like, I get a lump in my throat even saying that. Mm. We are not good at accepting Mm. that. And I Mm. think that that's what drives us to continue to look for the next thing, to continue to try and find that next goal, that next achievement or that next project around the house or that next, um, you know, next $1,000 in the bank or whatever it is, (laughs) however you're measuring it, you Mm. know. It's being driven by a fear of being found out to have not been enough mm-hmm. because if someone points that out to us, all they're telling us is what that voice in our heads already knows, that, yeah, actually, they're right, we're not enough. So that's what I think. Mm. That's why I think that negative reviews also sting the most <laughs> because like, they speak to a thing that you think is a creator you already know about yourself. You're like, someone has seen it. Someone has seen through it. It's a bit of a segue, but it's... Yeah, I get that. I get that. You so, know. so when someone leaves you a negative review, <laughs> yeah. whether it's on the podcast or where else would you see negative re- reviews? Uh, Instagram? Like the no. people can't really leave a... I I'm very rarely have any negativity on Instagram. No, so... Yes, negative podcast reviews. Yeah, there's a handful. Yeah. Where else would you? Oh, book reviews. Book reviews. Yeah. So what? So tell me, how do you go about 
Do you read book reviews? I didn't for the for the longest time because yeah. I like I couldn't. If I think if I had read a negative review mm. within the first six months of the book coming out, and there's a handful, um, I it would have felt like a mortal wound because yeah. it, slow particularly was such a personal book. Yep. And like it was like I just laid myself bare yeah. on the page, mm. and I knew that, and I did it willingly. Um, but to have like people pass comment or judgment on that was not something that I ne- I knew they would, but it's not something I needed to see, so I didn't. And then one day, I I guess I was feeling a little stronger and decided to to take a look, and I looked at them. And <laughs> it didn't kill me. So that was good. And you know what? I I was very pleasantly surprised because the majority were very positive comments. Um, And like one 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 star review on Amazon was like, this was a gift, so I didn't open it. Here's one star. Like, what? Thanks, random person, for doing that. But then I got one on somewhere else. I don't know where it was. Mm. It was a one star review that said, this book was the worst thing I've ever read. It made me want to vomit. Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. So you know what? Do you know what happened when I read that? What? I laughed. I would laugh as well. Because like there's that's no sub- actually there's no substance to it. No, but even if it yeah, <laughs> even yeah. if there was, yeah. that's hilarious. It is hilarious because you've you've I think the key as a writer and a creator is to um induce emotion. <laughs> and and vomiting is an emotion. Well vomiting is or a response. <laughs> in, yeah, it's a, indirect. Yeah. So that, you know. It, that was actually a very interesting learning experience for me. I forget how we got here. How did we get here? Well, I was just about to say, it'd be great if people can leave a review. <laughs> Preferably a nice one, but it's okay. You know what? Regardless, just read, a, read, a, read and leave reviews on our uh, iTunes account. Yes. That's the Slow Your Home podcast for those playing along at home. And uh, where can you – so you can leave a review there. Is there anywhere else you can leave reviews? Nowhere big. Um, I think you can on Stitcher and things like that. But but iTunes is by far the biggest uh, biggest sort of podcast provider at this point. Yeah, and it still helps with the discoverability of this podcast. It does. So, yeah, we would appreciate um, reviews of however you would like uh, to to leave them. Um, or if you don't want to do that, tell a friend about the show. Yeah, exactly. Share it around. Word of mouth still works, doesn't it? Okay. Now, I just wanted to, this is only a quick episode, but I just wanted to throw in at the end um, your thoughts on um, The Handmaid's Tale oh. and its parallels with slow living. Thanks for throwing me in the deep end there. Just lobbing that one up. We're, we're, we're slow, which is on brand. We're slow off the mark in terms of uh, watching, it. watching this. I know you read the book. I've never read the book. But we're currently in season two. And I just, for, for whatever reason, the last episode I was watching and I was, I came to the realisation that the world, Gilad or whatever Gilead. it's, Gilead, has some basis around slow living. Yeah. No, it does. Have you? Did you notice that? Absolutely. Oh, did you notice it a lot earlier than I have? Yeah, maybe. (laughs) That's okay. That's the lens through which I view the world. 13 episodes in, I've just realised it. But I mean, it's not slow living. I think it's more sustainability. I guess it is. Sustainability. It is slow, but it's slow. Adjacent. Yes, exactly. Because, like, and I was like, okay, 
we're going to give a lot away here for those that so have. If you haven't watched yeah. it and you would like to, um, just tune out for a couple of minutes. Tune out. Um, no signs, no branding, no advertising. There's no words. No words. Because women aren't allowed to read. Unbelievable. Like, and I was just thinking, like, you know, that when the handmaids go to, um, you know, go and get some food, mm. everything is just like homegrown. Like, it's just produce produced in Gilead. So yes. it, there's no outside influence. It's whatsoever. local and it's seasonal. I'm like, if you exactly. took away. All of the negative stuff yeah. that happened in Gilad, which is most of it, yeah. and just like pick up that that seasonal produce yes. part of their society. That's awesome. The rest of it, not so awesome, you know. <laughs> so, but it is. However, the, the house, the the house that they live, the, the June, Waterfords June, live in, it, yeah, lives in. Um, it's got some slow living principles in there, I've got to say. You that, know. that house is gorgeous. I love the, like it's very, the house plants and yeah, uh, exactly. just the kitchen and the dining room. The rest I, of it I could The kitchen and the dining room, I would, yeah, that's that's amazing, that area. Um, yeah. Not so much June's, you know, bedroom and stuff. No. But, um, no. Yeah. It's really, no. <laughs> I do think, though, that maybe we could do, remember like way back in the day we did that slow living in the zombie apocalypse episode? Yes. You could possibly do something with The Handmaid's Tale, He's but so I good. just think that that's, it's, it's, I'm just con- not going to yeah, do it the, because the it's a devastating not, show. Exactly. Uh, unlike like sometimes comical zombie yeah. <laughs> movies and shows, this one is like a little too real. Well, it is. And that's actually why I put off watching it for so long because mm. I I couldn't, I, I couldn't bring myself to. There was so many parallels with what's happening in the world at the moment, uh, mm. that it feels like I cannot believe that Margaret Atwood wrote it 35 years ago. It's, a, it's amazing. She is amazing. Yeah. She's a phenomenal person. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if you are up for a slightly distressing show, well, it's a good watch. We're talking about like improving the land and like, yeah. you know, and the soil, you know, like all that sort of stuff. It was like. Only yeah. in certain pockets of the country, though, you'll find. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't don't give too much away because I haven't haven't read the book and stuff. That's okay. Yeah. But yes, the, it didn't escape me that some and you know what Margaret Atwood does that in a lot of her books. Mm. She has there's an element of society that is like you've got God's gardeners in the Mad Adam trilogy, um, who are I'm not going to actually say what they are, but like that is they are. They see themselves as stewards of the earth and, you know, regrowing food and, and developing food security and all that sort of stuff. There's, there, uh, there are those elements in her work of, you know, becoming stewards of the, mm. the earth, but then how that fits into the greater political picture and story that she creates is really interesting. So I've I've noticed it and it made me kind of uncomfortable because these are things that the, the people who created Gilead have really um, – like they really championed mm. organic food and, you know, uh, what did they do? They, they reduced the carbon emissions of Gilead yeah. within three years, three years. Of, by 78% or something. I'm like, right on. Yeah. The rest of it, though, you're really not doing very well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it kind of made me feel, uh, you know, is that a fundamentalist thing that, like, is she trying to draw parallels between – Sustainability. She's not, but like it made me well, uncomfortable. There. That like it's definitely there. 
I mean, how, you felt uncomfortable because you were things that you believe in were interrelated. We're, we're Perceive, present. Perceivably yeah. within this world. Yeah, yeah, they were present in this yeah. society. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That was. Um, so. What know, an episode of Segways. That's all, that's all we do now, Segways. Okay. Call me can, Mr. We, can we ride around on Segways? Yes. Like Job in Arrested Development? Yeah. Um, could do that. Never. Okay. Never ridden a Segway. Mm, neither have I. Okay. Okay. Oh, another truth bomb. <laughs> Dropping them all over all the place. All over the shop. Do they still exist? I feel like you can do Segway tours oh, yeah, no, in places. Yeah, like that touristy stuff. Yeah. Um, you know what? Segways, the common or the new Segways are those battery powered like scooters that you see in cities now. Yeah. Like that's just a better Segway. <laughs> Speaking of scooters, <laughs> when I was on the book tour, though, particularly um, in like cities when you guys weren't with, when you and the kids weren't with me, I was surprised by how many scooters there were. Like how many? You know, we've got the e-bikes, city bikes in Sydney, which have been a disaster because people just dump them everywhere. Um, in where was it? where did I notice it? Winston Salem when I did a book festival there, they were everywhere. But they shut down at nine pm. Like they're they just don't work after that. Oh, I guess really? to stop people from maybe doing silly doing things if they had yeah. a couple of beers. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was really cool. All these authors that were staying in the hotel were like jumping on scooters and riding up to the venue and back. It was fun. I like it. I mean, I like that. That f- I really would like a battery powered scooter. Is okay. this your Christmas wish list? Well, yeah, uh, kind of. But where we are now in like a sort of semi-rural area probably wouldn't work, I don't think. I don't feel that there's a huge need for one. Well, pop down the shops. Yeah, you can ride a bike. you got your skateboard. I'd like to see you pick up the eggs and milk with your skateboard. It's yeah, relatively flat. Where we... That'd be hard. <laughs> you need a backpack. Yeah. yeah so... Get one of those wheelie trolleys. Yeah, could do. Drag it behind you. Could definitely do one of those. Could train the dogs to drag stuff, yeah. like little mini Actually, a huskies. wheelie trolley would be quite good because you can get them like, they're almost like four-wheel drive wheelie tro- trolleys these days with the big wheels. <laughs> can you? Yeah. I saw a lot in Canada that will go through like on snow and stuff. Hang on. Are you talking about the ones that kids sit in? I was talking about the shopping cart ones. Yeah. Well, no, the ones that kids sit in, the bigger Bigger trolleys that okay. you can put like a whole heap of stuff in, not just you know some eggs and some milk. Okay. Yeah. Speaking of scooters. All right. Well, uh, thank you for that. Thank you for the episode zero check-in. You're welcome. Thank you. In a couple of weeks. Yep, twenty fourth of October. First episode of the season will be ready for you, and it features. Someone who I really, really like a lot. And I'm looking forward to hearing, uh, hearing the conversation, actually. It's, it's, a, it's a really good one to, to kick off with. So until then, enjoy your October, your fall or autumn or spring, wherever you are in the world. And we will catch you on the 24th of October. Who is that? Hi, Puck Pass.